I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The Bucs got their man in LSU linebacker Devin White, but Kentucky defensive end Josh Allen was also available at number five. Did Jason Light and Bruce Arians get the right man? We'll discuss the NFL draft and the Bucks' first-round pick on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, and you'll hear from Devin White in just a moment. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. So, Steve, it was a, an interesting first round, opening day of the draft. Of course, it runs all the way through uh, Saturday. But, you know, the, the thing about this whole process with the Bucks is that it's rare, somewhat rare, when a team and a player are – you know, married up for as long as Devin White and the Bucks have seemed to be in all these mock drafts. I mean, this is going way back, uh, even before, in some respects, you know, the NFL Combine, which was in February that I attended. And and yet you knew it was going to play out probably the way that the Bucks thought that Devin White would be available. But I think they were not, at least I was surprised that one guy that was still on the board when the Bucks picked fifth overall and we'll discuss whether they made the right decision, was Josh Allen, who is the just terrific defensive end from Kentucky that led the SEC with 17 sacks. I think it was the second most in the FBS last year. A guy that is likely to have a dominant career as an edge rusher. In a 3-4, he could be a guy that would play outside linebacker, rush the passer, drop into coverage. Just, just a terrific player, and he was only there – because the Raiders surprisingly took a player from Clemson who's a good player, but nobody had projected to go at number four overall, and that was Cleveland Farrell. So with both those players on the board, you have to imagine that the Bucks, you know, had gone over that scenario to where that might be a possibility. Josh Allen or Devin White, they did not waver. Devin White was their guy from the start, and that's who they chose. Yeah, I mean, we thought that the only way Josh Allen's going to be on the board at that point is if either Oakland or a team traded up to get a quarterback in the top four. Exactly. So when Oakland took Cleveland Farrell, it was a surprise. I mean, it was kind of like, oh, now you get your pick. Who do you want, Devin White or Josh Allen? Josh Allen ends up going number seven to Jacksonville two picks later. Mm-hmm. But they took the linebacker. And I, I think, look, I think the defensive line – a pass rusher, edge rusher, a more important position. And both are Absolutely. tremendous positions of need for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. I think whether they made the right pick or not, a lot of it's going to depend on who they get with the fifth pick in tonight's draft, or round two. That's true. And there's more defensive linemen available than there are linebackers at this point. I yes. Mean, there was essentially two middle linebackers that are going to go in the first two days of this draft, most likely. Yeah, probably not until the th- you won't see another one until about the third or fourth round. Right. I mean, it was going to be Devin White or Devin Bush, and I thought Pittsburgh made a big move up the board and gave gave away, you know, gave up some draft picks to do it, but they wind up, you know, getting Devin Bush, which I thought was a great pick for them. 
But that was it. If you needed an inside linebacker, those two guys are exceptional. You had to to get them fairly early in the first round. And the Bucks clearly favored, you know, Devin White over Devin Bush, and they went all in for him. Yeah, I mean, you know, personally, position of need, I would have gone with Josh Allen over Devin White if it's just straight sure. up pick one or the other. But sure. knowing that you've got picks to start the second round and third round that you could probably get good pass rushers, not as good as Josh Allen, but yeah. good pass rushers to fill that need in the second or third round, then maybe Devin White is probably the better pick at that point because it was a position that you weren't going to find in this draft an impact player at that position. You can find a defensive lineman that can be an impact player second or third round. Maybe he's not Josh Allen good, but an impact player, someone who could who could start and, and perform this season. You know what this highlighted for me a little bit? And, I mean, clearly time will tell just who these players become. We, we're, it's hard to judge – Sometimes even in the first or second year, sometimes it takes two or three years to really figure out what you have. But what this felt like to me, Steve, is that this was, you know, the Bucks saying, hey, we got if we got to play on Sunday, we need Devin White. We need a Mike linebacker. We need a dynamic guy that's got the personality, the study habits, the, and the uh, football IQ to get our defense lined up. We have a new defensive coordinator we need somebody to to be the quarterback of this unit. Yeah, he's 21 years old, but he's off the chains, smart and incredibly, you know, precocious in terms of, you know, his leadership skills and he's able to get guys that have been in the league 10 years to follow him and they really believe in so many of the intangibles that he has in addition to just great film and he does what Todd Bowles wants to do. He's a very good blitzer. He can, you know, do those A-gap blitzes inside. He can cover receivers. He's a three-down linebacker which is hard to find in this league especially in the inside position so you know for the short term that's what they need because let's face it they don't have any linebackers I mean outside of Levante David who's 29 years old you know has missed five games in the last two years you know you're talking about guys that are on one-year contracts Kevin Minter who was cut by the New York Jets and by Todd Bowles who was originally a second round pick by the Arizona Cardinals under Bruce Arians and is, you know, signed to a one-year deal this year. You have Dewan Buchanan, sort of the same thing, drafted by the Arizona Cardinals on a one-year deal, deal as well. So who, who are their linebackers? Kendall Beckwith may not play football again. So all of a sudden, you're really thin at a position where you know there's going to be injuries, you know it's a high-contact position, and you don't have any playmakers there. And you need somebody's voice in the huddle that's going to get everybody lined up that people are going to follow on that side of the ball. Sure, Levante's out there, but again, he's not a young player. He started to miss some games the last two years. And so you needed that guy. Now, having said all that, if you were into the just, you know, this looked at it holistically and said this is a defensive line draft. And yes, we can get guys maybe in the second, third round to play a position on the defensive line. But, you know, the Bucks have not taken a, a rush end, somebody coming off the edge, since Adrian Claiborne out of Iowa in 2011. Now, Adrian had a decent career. He recently won a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots. He's still playing, so that's, that's good for him. But he never really fulfilled his potential in terms of being that big high number sack guy that they were hoping for. In fact, some teams moved him inside. Uh, in Atlanta and other places. So, you know, 
just last year, you, you had a guy in Jason Pierre-Paul who's going to be 30 with 12 and a half sacks, and that hasn't happened in double-digit sacks in Tampa Bay since 2005. So this is a team that has been completely sort of, you know, without a, a edge rusher, somebody who can absolutely affect not just the quarterback but the entire game because they have to chip on the guy. They have to keep a tight end in. They have to do other things to account for that sort of athleticism. And don't forget, he did this at the SEC. You know, Josh Allen dominated in a conference that is the best in college football. Um, and he did it for Kentucky on top of that. So I think, you know, this was sort of preordained. I mean, I don't think there was a player, and I know they went over mock drafts where Josh Allen was available. There was nothing that was going to get them off of their guy in Devin White. But I'm here to tell you, it, it feels like it's a short term. It feels like it's like, you know what? We have to play Sunday. We need this guy. You know, we have some players that can play, JPP. You know, you, you still have another year with Carl Nassib, who's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. You might get something out of Noah Spence. You got Shaq Barrett, you know, for a one-year deal from Denver. So you have dudes. You have guys that can come off the edge and, and, and create some pressure. But all those guys could be gone within a year or two. Most of them are signed to one-year contracts. You know, JPP is making a lot of money like Gerald McCoy did, and he's going to be 30, 30 years old or 31 years old. So, you know, where are the pass rushers going to come from if you don't draft them? And to, to leave this draft, and especially to be picking number five, and there sits the most productive, the second most productive sack master in FBS football this year, and go, eh, you know what? I need a Mike linebacker. We lost Quan Alexander. That's a short-term fix to me. I mean, he may be a great player and may make 10 Pro Bowls, but he almost has to be that guy like a Ray Lewis or a Patrick Willis type before you can really justify a five overall for, for a Mike linebacker. Well, but they're in it to win now. And we know Bruce, they are. Bruce Arians isn't going to be here in five years, or we don't expect that's that right. at this point. And, but is that the right thing and, for the organization? You well, know what I mean? Like, But that's the other thing I mean, when you have a general manager who could have been let go at the end of the season. You decided mm -hmm. to retain him, but you have to assume he's on a short lease too. too Absolutely. That, yes, they are making some short-term decisions. Although, when you say that, it's not like – and granted, all these draft experts, who knows if they're actually right. I mean, who knows, Sometimes right, they sure. get it right, sometimes they don't. And there's a lot of factors sure. that go into whether players are successful, including the organizations and the coaches they come into can affect no that. Question. No but question. No question. it's not like they thought Devin White was a stretch at five. No, it's not like they're and the Raiders who, who went and stretched to get Cleveland Farrell. That's right. At number That's four, right. I mean, there were thoughts that John Gruden had interest in Devin White at number four as well. Yeah, no. Everyone I talked to said that that you know, even though he's an inside linebacker and has only been four of those guys go in the top ten since 2010, everybody I talked to said no, he's a legit top mm -hmm. five pick, which is enormous praise for a guy who's an off the ball linebacker like that. Um, I'm not even sure, you know, the Raiders got Cleveland Farrell from Clemson. Not only do I don't think he was the best pass rusher, I don't even think he's the best defensive lineman from Clemson. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, you know, they, they, they may could have gotten a better player just from that program. Well, they had three of them go he, in the first round. Exactly. But they still, you know, Wilkins was really, really good. So, But they still gave Tampa Bay a gift, and that is they left Devin White alone because they had brought him in for a visit. And as a bonus, they got to choose between Devin White and Josh Allen. And no matter what, 
Okay, similar to Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston or, you know, some of these these choices you make, you know, Derwin James or Vita Vea, you know, no matter what, these two players will be linked in in the eyes of Bucks fans or the NFL if, you know, Josh Allen just takes over the league and just becomes this, you know, this J.J. Watt-like beast as far as an edge rusher goes. And he's standing up there with the rookie, defensive rookie of the year award at, at the, you know, NFL Honors Show at the end of the year, and Jacksonville won the AFC. Then, then it's inevitable that they're going to be like, you know, wow, we uh, we probably should have taken that defensive end. On the other hand, it's possible they're both really good players. You know, it's just whether or not the Mike linebacker. I think again, in the short term, you nailed it. You know, Bruce Arians is sixty-six years old. Jason Light's already going into his, you know, what, sixth season. These these are not guys that can afford to to see what develops. I mean, they need to go out and play on Sunday, and they needed a Mike linebacker to do that, and they got a very, very good one. I, I just don't know that, you know, that he'll have the kind of impact. I mean, he's going to impact their defense. He's going to call their defense. But, look, Quan Alexander, and I think this guy is better, by the way. He's bigger. He's faster. He has a better pedigree already because Quan was a fourth-round pick. But as good as they thought Quan Alexander was, and he got $54 million from the 49ers, so he must be pretty good, they still allowed 29 points a game with him on the field, okay? So what's the impact of the Mike linebacker whose defense is, is just getting you know absolutely obliterated? You, know, you, you can still be bad and have a good player at Mike linebacker. But if you had an edge rusher that was going to get you a ton of sacks, you know, he might be more disruptive because of where he is on the field and, and, you know, affecting the quarterback and that sort of thing. I mean, quarterbacks had a field day. Now, having said all that, we know that Todd Bowles likes to bring pressure in a myriad of ways. It's not simply, hey, let's line up in a 4-3 and let the ends, you know, get upfield and, and they're the ones that are going to make the quarterback flee the pocket or what have you. I mean, he brings a lot of double-A gap blitz with his linebackers. He likes to blitz those guys. And by all accounts, Devin White has a particular knack for rushing the passer. I think he's had, you know, five or so sacks a year or something like that. Um, So he's very, very good at that. And, again, he can cover tight ends and wide receivers out of the backfield. And we know he can play the run. He's a sideline and a sideline guy. But as John Romano wrote in the Tampa Bay Times this morning, our sideline to sideline guys – which, you know, do they become terrific players? What about the guy that, you know, dumps the quarterback on his back 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage? Isn't that, you know, more more productive and more uh, useful in terms of, you know, what you need to win in this league? So it's, you know, it's going to be, again, I think a pick that will be scrutinized and measured by the success or failure of Josh Allen and Devin White. And, of course, it's a team game. I mean, I think the Jaguars took a step back, but they have a pretty good football team. They have Nick Foles now as their quarterback. Now now you got a guy like White, you know, who kind of, you know, takes over from Dante Fowler, if you will, who, you know, had moved on to the Rams in a trade. So, you know, this is going to be really interesting just to see how all this pans out. But I'll say this, man, the Bucks love this kid. And there's a lot to like about him, too, as you'll hear in just a minute. Oh, he's a tremendous kid, and and from all you know, everything you hear and read, and 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 hearing his comments, and I know you've talked with him at the combine, and you talked yeah. to him tonight on a conference call as well. That mm-hmm. you know, his personality is infectious, and it his is. his confidence is too. That's what 
but and, and it's not an arrogance; it's a confidence, right? That he has, and and look, just tr- turn on the tape and you see it. I mean, he's a really oh, good sure. player. He, that's why he's a legit top five pick. Yeah. The question is, no, the is, film is, is, is the position of need was that the best position to take? But you know, look, Bruce Arians has said all along: you don't draft for positions of need; you draft the best player on your board. You draft players, yeah. And so, obviously, the and, Bucks had Devin White ahead of Josh Allen on their board. Well, they clearly did, and they, and they had they'd done a, a number of these mock drafts, and they had to consider what if Josh Allen is there versus Devin White, and they made the the call. Nope, I'd still would go with Devin White. And so when that happens, you know, a lot of fans are like, oh, my goodness, like, who saw that coming? Well, they did. You know, they've, they've gone every every scenario where this player is available or that player is available. There was one guy that I was convinced because I really didn't know about Josh Allen. I mean, I thought that Josh Allen would be rated higher just by virtue of his production and his position. But that, didn't, that turned out not to be the case. The one guy I would say that I, I'm pretty confident in thinking was higher would have been, you know, Quinnen Williams, who wound up going to the New York Jets number three overall. And the Jets got a hell of a player and didn't have to move anywhere to get him. So I think because, you know, McCoy leaving, uh, most likely trade or released and nothing happened on the first night of the draft. But, you know, Williams is one of those generational players that Bruce Arians talked about that as a, as the perfect three technique, you could sit next to Vita Vea for the next five years or so. And you'd really, really have something there. And he's going to be a, a really good player. But outside of Quentin, Quentin Williams, I'm not sure then that they would have had any player that they liked better than Devin White because, you know, you look at – certainly they weren't going to go for a quarterback like Kyler Murray. Nick Bosa would have been the other Nick, one. Nick Bosa would have been the only other guy. But you can say this about Nick Bosa, as, as great as he was at Ohio State, and you know this, Steve, he quit Ohio State because he had a core injury. You know, he chose not to come back and didn't want to affect his draft status. Well, so, and I guess the question is, did he not want to affect his draft status or was he not going to be healthy enough and it was just going to hurt him long-term that, to go oh, back? Yeah, I don't know if we know that the That could have been that. it. I mean, we don't, but he's had injuries. My point is, he, yes. he, you know, he injured his ACL in high school. Like, he's, his body is not, you know, as, as pristine as some other guys in this draft. Now, they say he's a hell of a player and, and yes, John Lynch – bit hard on him and and you know whether he's as good as joey or not it doesn't really matter because joey's damn good so you know he could have a fine career in san francisco but i'm just saying like the only other player i think that the bucks might have moved off of devin white for would have been quentin williams i think that's my intel take it for what it's worth we'll never know it doesn't really matter because i think williams went where he was supposed to in the top three um but you know this is an interesting move. And look, you know, they had a visit with him, and, and I, I met with him up in Indianapolis at the, at the NFL Combine, and, you know, we got to interview him for about 30 minutes or so. You will not really come across a more impressive uh, 21-year-old. I don't, you know, no matter what walk of life you're in, whether it's football or, you know, out on the streets and business or whatever, I mean, this guy – is clearly mature beyond his years. I mean, he was named a captain of his football team at LSU, which is a big-time program in the SEC. He was named a captain as like a redshirt sophomore and was, you know, their captain for two seasons. And those people listened to him. And and he was like a coach. You know, Ed Orgeron was constantly with him in meetings and game planning. And, you know, he likes the cerebral end of playing linebacker. He said that he'd love to be able to – 
you know, diagnose plays like a Luke Keekley. That's that's what he wants to do. He has sort of the fire um, of of a Ray Lewis. I, I mean, like where his you know his his torch is lit all the time. You know, he's that that voice that's gonna you know be a voice of reason. It was interesting. Like Jason Light told some pretty good stories, and one of them was I remember sitting around with him with a bunch of the guys upstairs um, talking about you know hey. We just want an impact guy that can come in here and turn this around. And he said, turn what around? We're all undefeated right now. There's no reason why we can't get to the Super Bowl. And, you know, he's just got that mindset. You can kind of see the mentality to correct your GM. Um, and then when he came to Tampa, you know, it was he was struck by the fact that both Bruce Arians and Jason Light never asked him really about football. Like, the tape spoke for that, you know. They – and we've heard Jason say this, like if he could do a better job, it's trying to figure out sort of what makes these players tick, right? Like how are they going to react to certain situations? Uh, what are they like, you know, personally, individually, all those things, trying to get past the football and then into their psyche a little bit. And so when he came here, all they did was they talked about life. They didn't talk about football, you know. And, you know, Jason was very impressed with him. And Bruce talked to him about, uh, you know, making a mark in the community. He knows that Devin does a lot with uh, with children, and he, and he talked about that. And then he made a promise. He said, look, if you're there at number five, we're getting you. And so Devin White said that regardless of who was still on the board, in this case Josh Allen, when he got to number five, he said it wasn't a matter of when they, of if they would call. It was when. How much time would, be, would elapse before the phone rang? And, and he goes, you know what, they were men of their word. So there's an awful lot of trust and an awful lot of, you know, chemistry that was built up during the whole process when you evaluate these guys and go to their pro days and, you know, meet with them at the senior bowl. Of course, he wasn't a senior, but meet with them at the combine and, and you know, have your 30 for, you know, 30 person visit and all that. And so they got a really good feel for Devin White. And I just I think they fell in love early, Steve. And I think that there was nobody that was going to move them off of him. No, and, and look, the character part of it and the trust of, you know. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're expecting him to be one of the leaders on your defense for a while. I mean, yes. I mean, you know, we talked about this. I think it was off the air the other night, but you're, you're losing mm-hmm. presumably Gerald McCoy, who's been a long That's time right. leader on that defense. Mm-hmm. Losing Quan Alexander, who was maybe, for lack of a better word, the emotional leader of that defense, or at least that's showed the most emotion of, on the great defense. Great way of phrasing it. Yes, that's exactly what he was. You know, so you're losing two key parts of that. I mean, Levante David's a hell of a player, but he's mm-hmm. not that energy guy kind of leader. I mean, he's, no. I think he's a great leader by example, tremendous yep. linebacker. Yep. You know, but, you know, you need leader, and your secondary is very young for the most part. It is. You know, I mean, Vernon Hargraves is the most veteran back there, and he's played 10 games the last two years. So, you know, you some of that some of that has to be trust of the character too. Is that, you know, and while we're saying it feels like a short term fix because it's a linebacker, but 
maybe it's more of a long-term play in the leadership part of that too. Oh, I absolutely think it is because, you know, if you're if you're Todd Bowles, okay, you're the defensive coordinator, and it's great to have a veteran presence in Levante David, who, again, you know, in, in the course of an entire NFL career, most of these guys average between, you know, three, three and a half years of their career. That's it. And Levante Davis – or David still seems like a young guy to me mm-hmm. and to everybody else. He's 29 years old. But in football years – that's a lot of wear on those tires. He's starting to miss some games now. You know, he's starting to have some nagging little injuries. Um, you know, five games in two years isn't a ton to miss, but before that he didn't miss any. And so, you know, he's closer to, you know, the the fall and winter of his career than he is, you know, the spring. And so because of that, you don't know how long you're going to have him, you know, for starters or just how sustainable. You need a voice in that huddle. And if you're, and if you're Bulls, you need, you know, not just, you know, have a guy who can put other players in the right position and understand the defense and be able to diagnose what the offense is trying to do, but, you know, you need stability back there. You know, you need a guy that is going to be your leader and is going to quarterback your defense. It's going to be sort of a conduit um, from the sideline, from you to him, to the to the rest of the players. And so he has to, you know, do a lot. He has to be the only guy talking in the huddle. He has to line people up. He has to make a ton of plays. He's not coming off the field, so he has to have tremendous endurance. He's going to play three downs, you know, every series, um, you know. And so I think for that reason, they found a guy that, and you know, checked all these boxes at, at a position that is rarely taken that high. I mean, you're talking about, you know, guys like, okay, in 2010, Rolando McClain, you had Luke Keekley, as I mentioned, Anthony Barr in 2014, and then last year, Roquan Smith. And this guy has a lot of the same tra- uh, traits as Roquan did. But none of those guys, none of them were in the top five. They were all in the top ten, but they weren't in the top five. So that's how rare this guy is. And no one you talk to in the NFL thinks that that was much of a reach, which is, again, a compliment to Tampa Bay. I'm not so sure that I could have passed on on a Josh Allen. I'll be honest with you. I mean, his tape is insane. You know, his get off, the fact that he, you know, he was a guy that was uh, growing up a slow learner. Um, you know, was made fun of a lot. Learn, had some homeschooling done. Went to live in Alabama for a year. You know, during high school, came back. They were playing. You know, he had been playing on offense. They played him both ways on you know defense and offense when he returned to New Jersey and was like a two-star recruit, you know, had a difficult time really, you know, finding a college that, that really wanted him like that and wound up at Kentucky and then just like completely burst on the scene for two years. And now he's, you know, arguably one of the top edge rushers in the draft. So he had a good story too. uh, And he overcame a lot, but I just think, again, it's short term. It's, you know, if we have to play tomorrow, who's the who's the extension of me if I'm Todd Bowles? Who is the guy that I can, you know, relate all this information to and have him actually move the defense through me? And that's, you know, Ed Orgeron used to call all the time, would have Devin White in coaching meetings and, you know, would, would talk to him not just as a player but almost like as an, as an extra assistant head coach about – how they should game plan, what they should do, introducing him to some things early because he was going to be the extension of that head coach. And I think Bruce Arians digs that. Like I think Bruce 
you know, sees guys and, and just kind of, you know, he's been around forever and just kind of knows that here's a guy, even at 21, that our entire defense will follow, if not our whole team. And you can't get enough of that intangible stuff in the NFL where adversity is going to hit and, you know, who's, who's going to be able to keep it together and get other guys around them lined up and doing what they're supposed to do. So that's why I think they ended up with Devin White. And we're going to have a chance at 3.30 today to actually meet him again. Of course, I have met him one time at the NFL Combine. He's going to bring his horses eventually. He's got seven horses. And, and Daisy May, I guess, has been with him the longest, which is his favorite. He's also got Rippy, Ricky Bobby. So if you're not first, you're last. And um, a couple other interesting names. Yeah, I want to go fast. Um, hopped up on Mountain Dew. But, um, yeah, so he's he's a colorful guy, and, look, I'll, he can live with me because we've got, like, horse farms right up here in Lutz. If he wants to put the horses there, I'm cool with that. I'll charge him a very minimal fee for rent. Um, but uh, he's going to have to find a place for his horses, and he'll be bringing those down to Tampa at some point, which is interesting because not only do the Bucks have a lot of LSU linebackers, but now they have two that are into horses, him and Kendall Beckwith. You know, so I'm not sure what that means exactly. But, man, what is it about LSU all of a sudden that's become linebacker state university? I mean, they're just spitting guys out, you know, in the draft almost every year in the first or second round at linebacker. I mean, not only do the Bucks have three of them again, and they just lost Quan Alexander, who would have been, you know, the fourth guy to San Francisco, um, you know, but there are, you know, Deion Jones is in Atlanta. I mean, you know, there are really good – linebackers coming out of there and it's hard to know why maybe it's something in the water but they taking the mantra from penn state yeah they they they're becoming i mean penn state has a storied history that goes much deeper and crustier and further back than lsu but in the modern day yeah lsu is linebacker state i mean it just it's you know these guys are not only getting drafted high in the nfl but they're succeeding so the cool thing was is that Devin is going to be available, as I mentioned, at 3.30 today, but we had a chance to talk to him on a conference call with the beat writers last night. Shortly after he was picked, you'll hear his energy, you'll hear his passion, and you'll hear about some of his horses as well. This was Devin White after he was selected fifth overall by the Bucks in the NFL draft. Congratulations, Devin. Hey, thank you. Devin, I... I know you met with the Bucks. Uh, you, you made your visit here, and Jason Light said it just felt. You said it just felt right when you were here. Um, your name has been tied to them on mock drafts for a long time. And what is it about Tampa selecting you? Did you think that would happen uh, today? Uh, so you know, when I was on my top thirty visit, you know, when I sat down with Coach Light, you know, and we had a heart to heart conversation. You know, he really got to know me as a person. You know, we really didn't talk ball and went and that speaks, you know, volume of a, a GM and you know, when once he wants to know, you know, about that. And then when I got into the meeting, you know, with Coach Bruce, you know, he he did the same exact thing and he was telling me, you know, how, you know, Around Tampa Bay, you know, it, they real big on children because they know, like, I got a real soft heart for kids. So I was like, man, it's just crazy. Like, I just know. And then, you know, Coach Bruce told me, he was like, D, you're a hell of a player, but, you know, the, you are in play, be taken really, really early. And if you there at five, then I want you on my team. I want to help develop you. And when he said that, you know, he was a man of his word. I was there at five, and I knew the call was coming in. I just didn't know when. I like when, you know, how far deep into the countdown it was going to come in. But it came in at a perfect time, and I'm very thankful, and I'm very honored to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. Devin, uh, middle linebacker, inside linebacker has been a, a, a special position in this league for a long time. 
who have you watched as you grew up, and uh, who do you admire? Uh, you know, I always watched a lot of linebackers growing up. You know, Patrick Willis is my favorite. You know, I watched Ray Lewis as well. And, I mean, it's just a blessing, you know, to be able to see those guys and see the work they put in and, you know, just to be able to, you know, say, hey, I can take this from his game or he did it this way, let me do it this way. So those two guys are at the top of my list. Devin, Saturday night at Death Valley, is there ever a louder and better place to play? No, I don't think nothing compares to Death Valley on a Saturday night, especially when we're playing a top-ranked opponent and everybody filled in with 103,000. Those fans are amazing. They always will be, be amazing, and, you know, they really love me. So the Buccaneers will have a new fans that love LSU. You know, LSU love their players unconditionally. So, hey, I just brought a lot of Tiger fans to the state of Florida. Hey, Devin, you talked in India about how much you looked up to Quan Alexander. You're basically going to take over for him here. How much How much do you like that responsibility, and what did you learn from Quan when you guys were together at LSU? Hey, I mean, I never played with Quan, but we always been active, you know, fellow Tigers, you know, NFL, LSU. But we always talking. You know, he give me little pointers of, you know, just be yourself. And, you know, what got you here, it'll keep you here. Just keep doing it and keep, you know, getting better at your craft. But... Me taking over the role of Quan, I don't really look at it like that. It's me coming to the role of Devin White. You know, it's Devin White role. And, you know, I don't really feel like, you know, his departure, you know, made a big deal. You know, I feel like it was just destined for me. And, you know, I'm just excited to be a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. GM Jason Light was saying how impressed he was with the fact that very early on in your time at LSU, you became a team captain. What allowed you to be able to do that? And, and what is it about you, even as a young guy, um, that makes older guys, guys who have been with, with teams even longer than you, want to follow you? Yeah, the thing about me that helped me be a two-time team captain, you know, at a young age at LSU was just, you know, i always been in that spotlight because growing up in my small neighborhood, I was always the best, and kids gravitated towards me very easily. But when I got to LSU, you know, I became a captain by showing my hard work and determination, you know, for the Tigers, and everybody respected that. So it was an easy transition, and then when I was able to get on the field more, I started making more and more plays, and, you know, I was just, you know, looked upon as the captain, and it was a role that I wanted, and it was a role that I accepted, and I embraced it, and I want to continue that role because at the end of the day, I want to see everybody around me get better, and I want them to make me better as well. David, Jason talked a lot about the confidence that you kind of displayed, not only just in yourself, but the ability that the Bucks might have right out of the gates to win and win now. What do you see in this defense that you're coming to? Hey, I see a lot of things that I did in LSU in that defense, you know, Coach Todd told me, Devin, getting you would be like getting a new shiny pretty car, and I'm going to use you, and I'm going to drive you to the fullest, and I'm ready for it, you know. I mean, I've been put in this situation for a reason. I'm ready to show everybody that, you know, I'm the guy for the middle of that defense, and, you know, alongside the other linebackers, I know they're going to help me, and they're going to mold me into a great NFL player. Devin, I don't think there was a lot of criticism of you at all during the draft process, but there were people who wondered whether line, an inside linebacker should go as high as number five. How much confidence do you get in seeing the Bucks see the value of taking you at five in this draft? I mean, it really speaks a lot. You know, I knew my worth, and I knew that I, I should be taken very high because, you know, I know what I bring to the table. Everybody know what I bring to the table from a playing standpoint and just, you know, overall a young man's standpoint. And, man, my character speaks for itself. And, you know, the Bucks seen it in me, and I'm glad they seen it in me. Yeah, but not too many linebackers play downhill as hard as you and still are successful in pass coverage. You looking to be an every-down linebacker here? Yeah, I'm looking to be an every-down linebacker. I'm going to play pass coverage. I'm going to play downhill. I'm going to play side-to-side. And, 
you know, I'm going a, I'm to a cover everybody. You know, if they need me to cover tight end running backs, I can go out there and play a little, you know, quarters and uh, quarters. Whatever they want me to do, I'm going to do it, man. And if I'm not good at it, I know Coach Kyle will. You know, he played for 11 years, and he's going to help me, you know, get to that stage. All right, so Daisy Mays coming. Any other other horses? Have you have you scoped out places in uh, the Tampa Bay area where you can put those horses? Daisy May coming, Overdrive coming, and Taylor May coming. My three babies. We'll be there. We'll be ready to roll. Tampa Bay Bucks got all my time. They're going to have everything. I'm going to give them everything I got. And I'm going to tend to my family as well, such as my horses that I'm talking about. And it's going to be a great time. Have you consulted at all with Kendall Beckwith about horse arrangements here? I believe his, though, are back home. No, I haven't consulted with nobody. It's something that I got to do. I got to focus on coming in and being the best teammate I can be, and then the horses will take care of itself. But right now they're in great hands in Louisiana, and they can stay there as long as I need them. But first I got to get you know a great relationship with my coaches and my new teammates, and we can get the show on the road, and then the horses can come next. Devin, in all honesty, I mean, they had three linebackers from LSU here last year. You're the fourth now in two years. Obviously, Deion Jones is in Atlanta. What is it about that position in LSU? I mean, I just feel like we can coach right and we translate to the NFL, right? You know, we do big things once we get into the NFL. And, you know, it, I mean, it's just a blessing feeling, man. And, you know, I'm going to continue that path and I'm going to just, you know, do what Devin White do and that's, you know, just be productive and, you know, be a great person off the field. Entertaining guy. I look forward to meeting him again. I think you know, Tampa Bay fans are going to just fall in love with this kid. He really is somebody that's you know dialed in as they say and he's going to be a good leader and I think he's going to be a really good player too if uh, he manages to stay healthy and do all the right things which I think he which I think he will just a couple other things before we get out of here as far as the NFL draft in the first round goes man um, you know if, if Cleveland Farrell was a surprise at number four how about what the New York Giants did you know here's Dave Gettleman all you know sort of spring long talking about Oh, well, yeah, quarterback. But let me tell you, we need some dynamic playmakers on defense, and I know how to put this together. And, you know, sort of poo-pooing the whole notion that that the Giants would take a quarterback at number six. And if they did, almost everybody universally thought was, it would be Dwayne Haskins because, you know, you could argue that Haskins might be the best quarterback in the draft. You know, Kyler Murray's all of 5'11", and, you know, here's Haskins with prototypical – NFL size and a, and a big arm that threw the deep ball, 50 touchdowns at Ohio State. Yeah, he only played, you know, started one season like Murray. But most people would have said, yeah, you know what? I think Haskins is going to be the next quarterback off the board. Well, he, you know, he wasn't. <laughs> I mean, that number six, the Giants took Daniel Jones from Duke. And I mean, those people, the Giants fans lost their minds. They're not in a good way, by the way. Uh, I just don't think that you know you could have gotten Daniel Jones with your second first-round pick in the draft if you were the Giants. I really believe that. I don't think anybody was moving up for Daniel Jones, and you know even though you know he was coached by Cutcliffe, who you know close to the Mannings, Peyton and Eli, so big endorsement there. Didn't play behind a very good offensive line. You know, there's a lot of reasons why maybe some of his tape uh, isn't isn't the best in the nation. But you just didn't need to get – I don't think anybody was getting Daniel Jones before you were to choose again. But that's who they took. And that, to me, was kind of a big surprise that the Giants would do that. Yeah, it was kind of odd that, you know, there wasn't one trade up for a quarterback in this draft. No, And that's the most wasn't. important position on the field. And granted, 
you know, all along everyone kind of said this wasn't the best quarterback draft. True. And and Josh Rosen wasn't traded either. No, I mean, there's still no. that quarterback is out there that someone could have if they yeah. were presumably. I mean, you know, Arizona's saying they're happy going to camp with both of them. Right. But I got to assume they'd like to trade Rosen. Oh, sure. And you know Rosen doesn't want to be there. I mean, you know, they've, they've chosen somebody else to take his job at first overall. It's just a matter of when they can get compensation for them. But you made a good point with respect to the quarterbacks. Look, there's nothing better than to actually read the draft and know what's going to happen. And that would be, surprisingly, the Washington Redskins. There was a lot of talk about the Redskins trying to get up in the top five and giving up this or that for a quarterback. They sat right there at 15, and they got Dwayne Haskins. And that might be as good a pick as any team. I mean, you had two teams in the FC East looking and battling for quarterbacks. One took Daniel Jones six, which they overdrafted him. The other one was able to do nothing and not give up anything and sit there at 15 and probably get a better player in Dwayne Haskins. So pretty good start for the New York Giants, I think. What do you mean for the Washington Redskins? Oh, I'm sorry for the Washington Redskins. Yeah, the, the, the joke on, on Twitter was when they drafted Daniel Jones is they finally got a quarterback to mentor Eli Manning. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, the Redskins, and, and this was a good point too, I thought some of the analysts were talking about with, look, Alex Smith is still with Washington. He may never play again, but he's still there. Right. And then you've got uh, Case Keenum there, Case too. Case Keenum. You've got yeah. two quarterbacks to really help Dwayne Haskins. And, and you know, yes. you and I talked about he's only played one year of college, essentially, or started at Ohio sure. State. And it was a phenomenal season he had. Set Big Ten records and everything. But well, sure. he doesn't have to come in and start right away. He doesn't, he's, nope. And he's got two veteran quarterbacks that are good at mentoring young quarterbacks. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, so it's a really good situation for Haskins. And he's going home. He's from Maryland. He's from Maryland, and it's, a, and it's a better football team. Obviously, they're picking 15th for a reason. They were decimated by injuries on defense last year, um, but they still have some pretty good pieces, and, you know, Jay Gruden needs to win, of course, but you're exactly right. No pressure to play right away. He can learn how game plans are put in and changed and altered and improved and go through the process of, you know, uh, that the quarterback has to do because he's going to work seven days a week when everybody else is working six. And so I think it's it's a great pick for Jay Gruden and for the Redskins. It really is. I mean, I, I it's it's fantastic when you can sit there and get a better player than somebody else took at number six, and you're sitting there at 15. You didn't have to do anything. So, you know, credit them. Um, I thought that was – to me, the quarterbacks is what sort of what stood out. Now, there's still some quarterbacks left as we start this second round. I mean, Drew Locke is sitting there. And that's a possibility for somebody early in the second round. So, you know, you've, you've still got Will Greer from West Virginia who could go sometime in the second or third. So there's still some guys out there. But, you know, credit to Washington again for being where they're at. Now, what did the Bucks do, you know, sort of in the second round? I'm not exactly sure where they go. They got the fifth pick, 37th overall, I believe. And they'll have, you know, a choice of perhaps – a right guard or slash right tackle. Well, Jawan Taylor is still out there from Florida. Jawan Taylor is still there. Now, if Jawan Taylor is there, yeah. oh, man. Well, what a, what, can you imagine that? And Greedy Williams is, too, at the cornerback position. Greedy Williams would be another outstanding pick. You could go LSU, LSU, right, which would be phenomenal. So the Bucks only have to wait four picks, and then they get to, they get to choose one of those players. And there's you know that we just named two of those for that they would probably be interested in if they're if one of, or both of those guys are still around, uh, I wouldn't hesitate to take them at all. So this could turn out to be a very good draft for the Bucks. And at the end of the day, 
But um, yeah, still still an interesting bunch of picks on there. I'll be at One Buck Place, of course, all weekend long. And you can read us on TampaBay.com. We'll be talking about the NFL draft, of course, coming up on Monday. The Rays begin a series in Boston against the Red Sox. They'll be playing them all weekend long. Important series. They got some guys beat up now. They got some some injuries that they're having to deal with and fight through. It's the first bit of adversity. And we'll see if the Rays can sort of maintain or get back to their winning ways like they had at the start of the season. They were never going to stay that hot. They've cooled off a little bit. But the, to them, especially against the Red Sox, having been swept to Tropicana Fields, it's important for them to sort of lay down the gauntlet and start to get some of these games back from Boston. So that's something that we'll talk about on Monday as well. Hope you have a great weekend. Uh, check us out on TampaBay.com. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. We'll talk to you on Monday. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 